This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond, where we share our enjoyment and experiences of language learning with you. I'm Beck. Hi, I'm Penny. We both live in Australia. We love learning languages and we love chatting to each other about them. We're not teachers, we're not experts, we're just learners like you, and we like to talk to each other about our thoughts and experiences, both good and bad, of learning other languages. And welcome to episode five. Today, woo-hoo. yeah, woohoo! Today is a um, a really interesting episode because we've got a listener question that we're responding to from Deborah in Sydney. So thank you, Deborah. Um, I might read out her question because it's it's you know really well formatted and gives us a bit of a sense of where she's at and and what what she's asking. Mm-hmm. So Deborah says. I've been learning French for a number of years. I struggled with various means until I finally hit upon the combination of styles that worked for me. The classroom environment didn't suit me. I was one of those people who sat at the back and didn't answer any of the questions. But once I discovered italki, things got better. I had the teacher all to myself and I was encouraged to speak in French. But I discovered I missed the social aspect of learning a language. So I joined various Facebook groups and did different challenges and now I have the best of both worlds. And now Deborah's learning Italian. So her question is and her problem is, how do I maintain one language while learning a new one? So thank okay. you, Deborah. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Deborah. And what a great question, by the way. Yes. Um, something that I know both of us have thought about before. And Penny, in particular, I know relatively recently you have been learning both um, Vietnamese and Mandarin Chinese at the same time. What has your experience been with those two together? Well, I have to say it has been it has been a bit of a, a challenge at some times. Um, I I feel like I'm maybe in a slightly different situation, or maybe similar as well. But I first learnt Vietnamese um, over twenty years ago now, when I was eighteen, um, and I introduced. Mandarin Chinese about um, five or six years ago. Um, I think, I think for me, I I went through phases where I was really concentrating on one or the other language, and so yep. I probably wasn't actively maintaining. If if I speak of Vietnamese as my first language, um, my first foreign language all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but last year was probably the first year where I really felt that juggle of maintaining and learning and maintaining. Um, and, yeah, it, it can be really tricky. So I can see where Deborah's coming from. Um, yeah, definitely. What do, you think is, what do you think is the greatest challenge for you in trying to maintain one and introducing another one? I think for me the greatest challenge has been with these particular two languages has been – I often still um, get vocab in my head confused. So I might be yep. having a conversation in Vietnamese, but the Chinese word that I'm trying to say just keeps popping up and I can't get it to go away. Um, and I can't dig around and find the Vietnamese word that I'm desperate for. Um, and sometimes <laughs> I've even caught myself, often in fact, <laughs> um, saying a word in the other language in a convers- in mid-conversation. Um has this happened to you, Beck, or am I like a special case? 
So no, it is. It has definitely happened to me. Definitely, definitely. I think it's um, it's something that's happened to lots of people. Um, so recently, um, you know that I was learning Italian. Um, I started learning Italian about a year and a a year and a half ago, I suppose yep. now. Um, and having already learnt um, and studied quite a bit of French um, in my time, I definitely struggled quite a lot and I still do um, with getting words confused from one from one language to the other um, in both contexts as well trying to speak in French and trying to speak in Italian just because there are a lot of um, there are a lot of cognates um, and there are also are a lot of words that just sound quite similar but the accent is maybe slightly different um, and so I think that that actually is a positive thing, being able to use one language as kind of a grappling hook for mm. helping mm. with the other. Um, but yeah, it can feel it can feel confusing at the time. That was that was what I was going to ask next. Actually, was how do you feel because you've had um, the experience of learning French um, and then recently adding an Italian and also German? I mean, the case for French and Italian being yes. from the same language family. Do you feel like that is a, a hindrance or, or a help to your language learning? So I think it was, I think it's definitely been more of a help than a hindrance. Um, I think getting over the confusion is really important and a really big step to take in kind of moving, moving forward with um, starting a new language. So when I, having studied French for a long time, when every time, when I, when I first started learning Italian... There were so many things that French helped me with in understanding the grammar, for example, mm-hmm. which is um, there are lots of similarities between French and, and Italian grammar, um, lots of vocabulary. Um, if I didn't know a word in Italian just straight off the top of my head um, or because I'd learnt it by reading something, for example, or listening to something, I would usually just try the French or like an Italianized version of the French and kind of give it a go and see if it made if if it made sense or if it was correct or if it was even close Um, and actually that really really helped with my progress so I definitely think that that was a positive for sure and although there was some confusion in there like definitely a bit of oh I have no idea whether this is right and I'm just going to try the French and see how it goes that I did not feel like that was really a hindrance at all. Um, I also think, though, that a big part of that was just being okay with being a little bit sort of not not confused, but being okay with things not being perfect. Mm-hmm. And, yep. um, like, I'm quite generally a bit of a perfectionistic type person. Um, I, you know, I, I pay a lot of attention to detail. I, I like things to be a certain way. Um, but in... Especially in taking on Italian, I really had to learn to start to be okay with good enough being good enough. Yeah, and that's a good point. the more and more comfortable that I got with that, the more progress I felt like I was making. Yep, yep, that's a yeah. really good point. I don't know. I have you have you felt the same way? I think, um, in some ways, yeah, because I'm I'm not. I mean, probably not a perfectionistic person, but I do sometimes put pressure on myself to do well which I guess is yes from the same family (laughs) Mm, mm. um but I think language learning as a whole really 
challenges you in a sense that it leaves you quite vulnerable and, you know, making mistakes is part of learning a language constantly. So that's right. you do yeah. have to leave that kind of feeling at the door often. I think it, it is a really, really good thing. Um, yeah, I think it can be so debilitating um, when you get caught up in the, the idea of everything being perfect. Like to, to even get yourself to the kind of the first, like I think even to just like A2, for example, just like, like that first past beginner point of um, any language, you really have to, you know, you have to start losing your, your inhibitions a little bit. Otherwise, you'll get so stuck in worrying about whether or not your grammar is correct or whether you got exactly the right word or, you know, exactly the right bit of vocabulary that you stop realising that all you're trying to do is get people to understand you and that it doesn't actually have to be 100% perfect initially because just building up the confidence um, to say a complete sentence is what's more important. Yep, um, I totally, and totally agree. And you can always, yeah, exactly, like it, it's, it's always about just like building up that so that as you practice more and more over time, the mistakes that you make will help you to get better and better at the little things. One thing I was, I was going to say too that um, Deborah mentioned in her question and we've touched on as well is having learnt one language already really does place you in a great position to learn new language 100 percent, yeah because you've had the opportunity to trial and test the methods that you like and that you work that work for you so things exactly. like what deborah mentioned about italki some of the facebook yeah. groups the challenges um the online learning um isn't that great that you know you can you could do all that trial and error and then you can take all that learning and experience and apply it to this next language and go okay I know I really like to do italki classes once a week and I like this format of, you know, and I like this particular resource. Bang. Exactly. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, absolutely. I think it's such a, it's such a good learning to have, to, to have realized what are the ways that work for you, what kind of methods work for you, what resources you enjoy using, um, and then be able to apply that to a different, a different language. Um. One of the things we're both embarking on this year, which is, um, I guess, relevant to this question as well, but we are <laughs> both revisiting languages that we studied in high school. Yeah. And we're switching our little focuses up a bit too this year, which is kind of cool. That's right. So, um, Beck, you're having a look at Japanese, which is very exciting. Yes. Um, which you studied in high school, and I am having a little play around with French, which I studied in high school. Um, so, Beck, I wanted to to know. I mean, it's great that you've learnt so many languages, and that you can apply that independent learning kind of framework, I suppose, to now looking at Japanese. How do you think you'll go learning a non-European language again as an adult? Yeah, well, it's um. It's interesting, and I'm really interested to ask you in a second how this is going for your French as well. <laughs> um, but I have, so I've had to change things up quite a little bit, uh, quite a bit, um, for my recent attempts at resurrecting my Japanese, <laughs> which has been dormant for about 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's a long time. Um, but I've definitely had to do a few different things for this one because it is so different to 
the other languages that I have been studying more recently, which are all predominantly European. Um, so I last week or the week before, um, I had, so I went to social media and (laughs) tried to put it out there. And I said to some people, I'm, I'm looking at doing some Japanese again. Have you got any suggestions? Um, because I pretty quickly realized that the regular apps that I was using, um, some of the regular things that I was doing maybe weren't going to apply in exactly the same way for Japanese. Um, We're talking about a different script, which I knew I needed to revise, a whole different kind of grammatical structure, Mm -hmm. um, completely new vocabulary that um, has different sorts of cognates, but really very few cognates, to be honest, um, except for the foreign words, um, to what I'm used to. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Exactly. It's like the foreign words are are one thing in Japanese, but really everything else is just completely different. So I like went out searching for some, some recommendations. Um, and then it became really clear to me that I was really going to have to rethink what I was using to, go right back to basics again um, for Japanese and completely start from the beginning to fully revise. So that's been a really good actually experience, just even realizing that, that, you know, you don't have to, even though there can be ways that you are comfortable with studying, if you're looking at a language that's in a different family, um, maybe you might need to kind of branch out entirely and find some really new ways, new resources, new things that are maybe better suited to, um, in this case, an Asian language as opposed to maybe a a European language. Um, What about you, Penny? How have you found going back to French? Um, Really enjoying it so far. I'm taking it very slow and I have gone back to the complete beginner basics as well. French I did for about four years in high school over 20 years ago now so it it, you know like with all good languages there's there's words and and phrases and things that are that are in there but I I did a bit of searching around online similar what sounds like that you did and came across some um some good info from Katie from Joy of Languages just about some really good beginner resources for learning French and I am now a complete convert to Coffee Break Languages, which is a podcast um, and, you know, starts from the very basic beginner beginner level. And it's funny because I, I haven't ever learnt Vietnamese or Chinese independently from the beginning, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I, when I first started learning both those languages, I was in a group uni class environment and it's only since I'd kind of got past that beginner stage into that kind of early intermediate stage that I then was doing my own independent learning so it's it's good for me to I think tackle French the reverse way Mm. and doing it independently from the start and it's really it's really fun and um, I'm really enjoying being able to write what I hear so to speak like which is which is a nice change from um it's fantastic from yeah I really like the coffee break podcasts as well they're um I think they're a really nice way to introduce a new language in really like bite-sized chunks because the podcasts are quite quite short yeah they're really Um, good length for me (laughs) yeah yeah they're they're very um 
very sort of achievable um, to listen to like if you go for a walk or maybe in the car or on the way to work or something just in small bite-sized bits. Yep. Um, I um, but Oh, sorry, you, you go back. That's <laughs> okay. I was just going to say that one of the uh, – this is coming back to probably Deborah's question. I One of the – issues that I find with maintaining one language while learning another one is really about time um, and how to how to allocate my own sort of language learning time that I I take out of my you know in between work and my social life and you know whatever other commitments I have in my week how do I what I may have only been focused on one language on before so the time that I was allocating to just one I'm now trying to split that between two or find extra time for the second one and um, that's a bit of a challenge that I've been trying to manage um, recently so have I don't you, know if it yeah have you come up with any kind of action plan or solution for that kind of thing I think I'd yeah love to know so what you <laughs> so this is um so Japanese is very new so I'm, I'm not going to talk about how that's come into the mix um yet but so I started focusing again on German earlier this year. Now, last year I had basically, Italian was my focus. Um, I was very much focused on it. It was my, my language time was really on Italian. <laughs> so when I decided at the start of this year, I thought I'm going to bring German back. It's been a couple of years since I took some classes for German and now I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back and just do it independently. But I don't want to lose the Italian that I've just spent the last year and a bit studying. So what I've been finding has been working out for me is that the time that I do have, which usually my language learning time is lunch. So I like to over my lunch break in the day, which might be like, let's say half an hour. That is my time while I have something to eat and have a cup of tea that I do some language practice. And whether I split that between say, you know, 15 minutes on an app that I like um, and 15 minutes doing, I don't know, reading a page of a book or, or listening to a podcast or something. Um, that's, I, I can split that however I like. Um, but when, when I've got that with two, I was like, do I split this time in half where I try to go half of that time is one language and half of it is the other? Or do I need to find a completely other time in my day or in my week that I dedicate to the other language. So (laughs) what I quickly realized was that trying to split my single time that I had previously allocated to only one language was not going to work. I tried to do that. It totally didn't work. All it did was get me confused and frustrated that I was like giving less time to both of them. (laughs) Um, And what I have found has worked better is that I've picked one is one is my focus at the moment. That is German for me. Um, that is my, what I'm calling like my principal language at the moment. Um, and that is what I still dedicate my lunchtime period to. I then choose two or three other times in the week when I do a little bit of Italian and that's how I'm maintaining Italian, even though I'm still very much like learning it. That's like maintenance time as opposed to like active learning time contact at least once a day for German for me at the moment. That's fantastic. 
Oh, good on you. That that makes well, sense. I don't know. Sense. It was just it was more that it just came out of complete frustration. Like I just I could see as soon as I started. This is like back in January and February when I was trying to split that single time that I'd always had. Like my lunch is this like little freedom time of language learning once a day, and I was like, I can't do this split. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. It just didn't. It did just didn't compute in my head. Um, so I needed to still have separate time for both of them, but had to focus on one more than the other I just can't split that evenly at the moment because I just don't have time yeah but that's the I think that's the that's the challenge and that's what's what seems to be working for me at the moment but I'd love to know um what you know if you've had to split your time like that Penny before or also to listeners if anybody else has had any good experiences of what what they've had work um for splitting time between different languages please share it with us yeah, I'd love to know as well. I think that's um, yeah. the more, I guess, of other people's experiences we can hear and share. It's it's such a great way of, um, I guess, picking the bits that you think will work for you from what you can hear and from other people's experiences. I think for me, mine has been usually I've, I've got a, a, a real reason, a real motivation, um, and that is why I have – chosen whichever language is my priority at the time so Mm. last year I was really focused um, for the first half of the year or the first eight months of the year on Mandarin Chinese because I was studying for my HSK exam and so that was a really nice I guess easy way for me to go yep this is my priority and then I'm going to switch that around after the exam and pick up Vietnamese again because I was leading a language trip in November to Vietnam. So that kind of worked really nicely. And and this year is a little bit different because introducing French and I feel like, you know, I'm all excited and motivated to learn learn this new language. But at the same time, I'm very conscious of um, not forgetting my dear old Mandarin and Vietnamese. So I like like the way that you've kind of come up and said, yep, this is my priority Mm. at the moment. But I've got this dedicated maintenance time for my my other language or my other languages. I think, yeah, it's really really yeah. good. And I think I think the other thing that's quite nice about that mm, that split to between a maintenance language and an active learning language. <laughs> that's what we, that's how we're going to sort of denote them. Um, is also that with. Uh, whatever your maintenance language is that you're trying to maintain, I think it sounds like you've, you know, you're at different levels probably with both of those. So you have different resources that you can use, but also different kinds of things that you can do. So maybe if it's if it's your maintenance language, if you've studied it for longer and maybe you're a bit more confident in it, um, you can do more things like say, watch TV shows in Mm. that language maybe or, you know, do more listening practice through podcasts or music or um, reading books or reading short stories or or something like that. Whereas maybe with your – if you're starting one from totally beginner or just at a lower level, um, you know, you need to – you can devote – more time to kind of quite specific learning on say grammar for example or vocabulary kind of drilling or you know script learning for example if it's something like Chinese or um, Japanese. It's almost easier in a sense isn't it to introduce a language from scratch or from a beginner level because you can be quite focused and dedicated on that 
early stage of building your vocab and your grammar because you have to because you can't get anywhere without it. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's right. And then when you're more at the intermediate level, the maintenance can be a bit more tricky. That's um, right, but you have so many more options. You do. Like I think I, love, I think you've yeah. got like it's like the options really open up to you kind of the more yeah, the more you develop um confidence and the more you develop your skills, there are broader um broader things available to you to help so you true. practice. Yep. Um and they can be less like less and less like study. Yes. Yep. <laughs> or less like yep. traditional study, you know, because they're things that you can equally just maybe enjoy like like watching a show on Netflix maybe with something like the um, language learning with Netflix tool Um, I'm not sure if you tried that Penny but like something that allows you to to maybe have dual subtitles um, which is what that that tool has online Um, and so you're still learning and you're still able to maybe make notes on vocab when there are words that you don't know or, or whatever it might be but that you know watching a TV show can also just be like downtime while you're learning something whereas yeah when it's when it is still very much a a new language to you where you're yeah learning a lot of like base vocabulary base grammar some of that still does have to be quite in some ways quite formal structured yeah 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 and quite structured depending on your personality and kind of what you need I suppose but that's certainly how it is for me yeah no I totally totally agree yeah well anyway great question though from Deborah really really interesting um, if anyone else has a burning question or not so burning question that you would love to ask us, please feel free to get in touch um, either through the languagelovers.com.au website or through DM on Instagram or Messenger on Facebook. We would love to hear from you and any questions that you have that you would like us to chat about on the podcast. So. Yep that's it that's it for this episode today so thank you so much for joining us on language chats as a lot of you know language chats is part of a larger project which we started called language lovers au where we're building a community of people who are interested in languages in australia so if you haven't already please check out our website subscribe to our mailing list at languagelovers.com.au You can also find us online on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, And if you have enjoyed today's episode, then please do leave us a review. It helps other language lovers to find us. See you next time. Bye. Bye.